Guys, welcome back to Talking with TK. I'm your host, Tristan Cannell. A bumper episode today. We're going to be hosting two of Australia's most up-and-coming boxers on the world scene in Andrew and Jason Maloney. These two boys are going to be carrying the torch in Australian boxing. Now it's kind of gone away from the likes of Anthony Mundine, Danny Green, Daniel Gill, and Costa Zoo. Now we're going to be seeing the next generation of some great boxers coming through, and the Maloney boys are certainly heading a field of guys like themselves and George Cambosis. We've also got Tim Zhu now on the scene. These four guys, I think, are going to be the ones to watch in Australian boxing, and I can see them all dominating on the world scene in the years to come. Before we get the boys on the show, just a big shout-out to everyone tuning in, leaving messages of support, and subscribing, which is free, via iTunes. If you haven't got access to iTunes, you can jump on either Stitcher or check out the website, www.talkingwithtk.com. If you want to connect with me, I'm on all the social medias. Connect with me on Facebook. My surname is spelled K apostrophe N-E-L-L. That's Tristan Cannell. Or you can find the Talking With TK Facebook website, sorry, web page. And then on Instagram, I'm Tristan Nell. Twitter, I'm at Talking With TK. Or also LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on my LinkedIn. It's just Tristan Nell. Like I said, it's spelled K apostrophe N-E-L-L. If you want to get in touch with me with any guest requests or any suggestions for the show, please send them through at Tristan with TalkingWithTK.com. But without further ado, let's get to the chat. Here is the episode 43 with Andrew and Jason Maloney. Okay, guys, my special guest is Jason Maloney. Jason is one of the rising stars of Australian boxing, and he's currently competing in the Bantamweight division. He's got a record of 15-0 with 12 KOs. And he's also the reigning WBA Oceania Championship champion, sorry, and it gives him a world ranking of WBA number nine. I welcome Jason Maloney. Jace, welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks very much, Tristan. Thanks for having us on, mate. Nah, it's an absolute pleasure, mate. You've been pretty impressive. Your last fight actually only went one round, and that was actually for you to, you know, get the WBA Oceania title. So let's start there, Jason. Tell us a little bit about the last fight. Yeah, bit of a uh, bit of a short night in the office that one. Um, as always, prepared for for the full ten or twelve rounds uh, that the fight was actually going to be. Um, done everything perfectly right in the lead up, and yeah, just caught him with caught him with a flush right hand in the first round, and it was all over. So yeah, made a pretty pretty easy work of the fight, but um, yeah, that's that's not going to happen every time. So as always, prepared to the to the best of our ability. Yeah, with you guys being professionals and training as much as you guys do, are you disappointed sometimes when it only goes one round? Um, nah, look, I don't think you can be. Like the the fight, my last fight previously before that, um, got pushed the full ten rounds, and um, obviously that sort of thing's great for your career going forward. You know, you get the valuable rounds under your belt, and um, you know that'll put you in good stead for the for the tougher fights in the future, but. Boxing's a um, an unpredictable sport, so <laughs> you could you could very easily be on the um, on the other end and end up with a knockout loss on your record in the first round. So I don't think you can um, 
complain about a first round knockout. No, you just <laughs> got to take them as they come. <laughs> yeah, just from watching a lot of your fights, Jace, the two punches I really like is obviously the right hand that you knocked him out with, and you also yeah. got a ripper. You got your left rip, and that's that's quite a nice punch for you, man. Yeah, yeah, probably two of my two of my favourite punches, them two. So, um, obviously, you try and uh, work on every punch and have you know have the full kit. Uh, you don't want to rely on sort of one shot too much or people will start to sort of look out for it. But, um, yeah, they're, they're going to be two of my favourites. Yeah, it's been a big year, mate. You know, you've, you've fought four times. You've changed camps. You actually moved up to Kingscliff as well. So yep. just tell us a little bit a little bit about the move. Because I know you're under Angelo Hyder, who's one of the best trainers, obviously, in Australia right now. So yep. tell us a little bit about the move to Angelo. Um, yeah, well... Pretty much me and Andrew just felt that um, we'd become a little bit stagnant. Um, we are both got, you know, big dreams of becoming world champions and um, getting the absolute most out of this sport that we possibly can. Um, I always said that we're willing to do whatever it takes to, to reach the top and, and achieve our dreams. And, yeah, we just felt like we'd become a bit stagnant. Um, obviously, we were undefeated and things were going well, but we just felt that we weren't seeing the improvement that we that we needed. So... We thought a, a change change of trainer was what we needed, um, so we decided to pack our bags and move from Melbourne, moved up to Kingscliff, which is um, northern New South Wales, sort of right on the border yep. of Queensland and New South Wales, um, and started training under Angelo Hyder. Um, Angelo's obviously, you know, a, a top coach. She's, you know, probably most well known for being um, Danny Green's coach, but he's also worked mm. with guys like Vic Dartinian and, and so yeah. forth. Um, and yeah, we we've just been loving the move. We we both feel like, you know, we're we've recharged the batteries. We feel like we're learning every day, and feel like we're really seeing some big improvements in our boxing. So yeah, we we couldn't be happier with the move. And um, yeah, hopefully, I mean, we feel like we've improved a huge amount in the last six months. But hopefully, in a, you know, in another six months' time, we'll, we'll you know we'll be kicking goals and hopefully have a world title around our waist or, or not far off. Yeah, Jace, it's a big move, man. It's a huge move out of your own comfort zone because I know you've got a lot of family and friends down in Melbourne and down in Victoria. So it's a beautiful part of the world, though, but Kings, yeah, Kingscliff. So it's working so far, mate. So it must yeah, be that's you know, right. doing something right. Yeah, that's right. No, it was, it was a big move. Obviously, yeah, had to move away from from our family and friends. And, you know, we had a good good network of supporters and, and whatnot around Melbourne. But... As I said, we're willing to do whatever it takes to, to achieve our dreams and that was a move we felt needed to be made and, yeah, we feel like we've, we've made the right choice. Yeah, does it kind of work? Because without your family and friends there, there must be less distractions so you kind of can eat, sleep and just breathe boxing, right? Yeah, that's right, 100%. Um, sit, like, obviously, you have your, your times when you're a bit lonely and, and whatnot. You can't yeah. just go around to your, you know, your mates or your, your parents' joint, but... It really is like a full training camp environment up here. We we just wake up, go to training, come back, rest, recharge the batteries, go to training again, and then and then you know doing whatever it takes to recover and get ready for for the next day. So it, there is just no distractions, and it, it's the perfect training environment up here. So it's been yeah, it's been really good for us so far. Yeah, how's the sparring and potential sparring partners been up there? Um. I think anywhere in Australia, it's pretty hard to find good sparring, especially in the lighter weight divisions. Obviously, mm. we're we're really lucky we got each other. So, 
that that's always something to fall back on. But we try not to to spar each other too much. Obviously, <laughs> you, you want to uh, you don't want to get used to the one style. You, you need to bring sort of a, you know a, a fresh face and and different styles. So you know, so you've always got something different to work with. But we've uh, we went over to America um, before the last fight. We spent two weeks over there training and sparring some of the best fighters in the world, and you know that's we're willing to do that. So I think before every fight now, we'll either look to to fly people in, or, or we'll go overseas and, and get a good, good sort of three to four weeks of sparring before every fight. Yeah, Jason, you just mentioned your trip to America. I saw yeah. in a post that you did you get to spar Donair? Yeah, I sparred Donair twice while over there. Um, yeah, un- unbelievable sparring. Um, it, it was his sort of last two spars before he before his last fight. So it was um, yeah, it was top class, and you know, like I said, exactly what you need. You know, that sort of sparring just takes you to, to a whole other level. So definitely, definitely something we want to be doing more. You know, as often as possible, get over there and and work with those sort of caliber of fighters because it yeah, it really does just takes you to a whole other level. Yeah, when you get in a ring with someone like obviously the class of him. Is it especially two, you know, two sparrings before he actually steps into a ring? Mm-hmm. Are you advised to take it a little bit easier on him, or are you going flat chat? How does that work? Nah, um, you know, we just both put the gloves on and got in there and and, and went 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 at it. Um, I don't think he would get any favours out of going light on him. I mean, you're not trying to rough him up and and do anything dirty or anything like that. But you know, he yeah. he wants you to to challenge him and, and, you know, do your best. And, I mean, that, it was top quality rounds. He he came up after it and had nothing but nice things to say about me and, and my future and even asked for a few tips on, on things that I was doing because he was looking to improve on things as well and asking me, you know, how did you do that or whatnot. So it was it was pretty unreal. It was, it was a really nice guy and we spoke a lot after it and, yeah, it was, you know, that sort of experience is just priceless. Well, it's nearly better than actually having a fight, right? Getting in with a yeah, world definitely. champion, especially one of the best of all time. It might just really That's just right. hold you, especially with the confidence that you get out of that, going macho to macho with a guy like that must give you a, a heap of confidence. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So so that's the plan to get over to America or, or anywhere, you know, whether it's America or the UK or Japan or the Philippines, sort of get anywhere we can and, and get the sort of the world-class sparring because that's you know that's that's the sort of thing that like you said it's probably more valuable in the than the actual fight sometimes get those rounds in with the with the world-class fighters and it really does take you to another level yeah while you're over there you went to the triple g fight too didn't you yeah we went and watched triple g and canelo so that was unbelievable two of my favorite fighters at the moment and um yeah the atmosphere over there was just crazy you know that that's definitely got to give you some some motivation to to reach the top of the sport going there and in front of a sold out crowd and uh, the mexicans were just going crazy the atmosphere was <laughs> was just unreal so yeah that was that was probably you know the whole lot of the trip yeah at, at the actual fight live you know you're a boxer you see the little things mm-hmm. probably better than just the general punter at home who did you think actually won on the night Oh, it was it's so hard to score. Like I wasn't actually sitting there scoring each round as obviously the judges have to do. Um yeah. at the end of the fight I thought maybe Canelo by one point, but I mean it could have been Triple G by by one or two or you know, I was happy with the draw. Um it, 
it was such a hard fight. A lot yeah, of we those, get to see it again, don't we? Yeah, a lot of those rounds were so hard to score. So, you know, you see people screaming and yelling robbery, but I, I thought, you know, that's probably the only fight I've ever seen where I thought a draw was, you know, definitely worthy, and I wasn't complaining. I thought they both deserved it, and, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing, seeing the rematch. Yeah, I can't wait either. All right, Jason, let's go back to the start, man. I really want to just get to know you a little bit better. So yep. you started in boxing as a 13-year-old, and you're a big AFL fan, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, always had a big interest in all sports. AFL was probably the favourite when I was at that age. Um, you know, we doubled in. Team, I'll go for the Swans, actually, Sydney Swans. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How's that happen, mate? Hard. I just, when I was a young kid, I loved Tony Lockett and... Paul Kelly and those blokes, and yeah, I just said to Dad, I want a Sydney jumper, and chucked the number four on the back, and I was a swan from then on. But um, fantastic! Have you ever yeah. been in the final? <laughs> no, never actually. We're lucky enough to see us win a couple, but never been there live. No. Who does Andrew go for? He's Carlton. Yeah, the old man and, and Andrew are both Carlton, and my other brother's Essendon. So, bit of a oh, wow. bit of a mixed bag. What, but, uh, uh, what area in Melbourne did you actually grow up in? Um, eastern suburbs. So we grew up mainly around Croydon, Moorbark area, which is, yeah, about 45 minutes. What's the closest minutes. team, if there was a team to that? Um, oh, I suppose Collingwood's not too far, Richmond's not far, yeah, that, that sort of area. But, um, okay. nah, never. Dad would never let us go for, go for Collingwood. That, that was never going to happen, so I just picked Sydney <laughs> and stuck with it. <laughs> Yeah, nice one. So at yeah. 13, you take up the sport. By 15, yeah. you're an amateur. What yeah. did, is this something that your parents pushed for you guys to actually get into sort of a martial art when you were younger? Nah, not at all. They probably would would have preferred to steer us the other way. But, um, yeah, we just started doing it for training. And a few guys in the gym said, you know, you guys have got a bit of talent. You should you should start looking at competing and you should have a fight. And, you know, this is when the Vic titles are. You should enter and things like that. And... Yeah, we just slowly sort of become more and more passionate in the sport and sort of hassled Dad a bit and Mum and said, you know, can we start fighting? And, yeah, like I said at the start, they were probably pretty keen for us not to do it, but supportive and, you know, allowed us to do what we wanted to do. Um, and we just, yeah, kept nagging and before we knew it, we were fighting and, you know, we weren't that successful at the start. I actually lost my first three fights. Andrew lost his first, first seven. seven. Yeah, we uh, we it was hard for us. We were, we were only forty five kilos, and there wasn't many yeah. blokes around our weight, so we were jumping up and fighting some bigger blokes. But yeah, we we a lot, had a few losses at the start, and just kept chipping away, and you know kept trying to improve. And yeah, before we know it, we you know we're winning. We we'll, then we won the Australian titles, and Andrew went off to the World Championships, and yeah, just kept going and going. And now we do it full time as our profession, and yeah, just love the sport. That's quite an amazing story because a lot of kids quit after their first loss. And for you boys to actually have to suffer, well, for you three, that's still a lot. And Jason, uh, sorry, Andrew, seven. Did you have a conversation with each other saying maybe boxing is not for us? Or... <laughs> no, we didn't actually. Um, looking back at it now, you think, <laughs> what were we doing? But um, no, we just, we just kept at it, um, enjoyed the sport, enjoyed the challenge, kept training and, yeah, just – you know, kept chipping away, and we saw a lot of people, like you said, sort of, you know, even even guys that were sort of really doing well as as teens. They, you know, 
become 16, 17, 18 and start going out and give up the sport. But we just, yeah, stuck at it, kept working hard. And, um, yeah, now we're, you know, kicking goals. We're, doing, we're sort of right on track to achieve our dreams and, you know, loving the sport and giving it everything we've got. Yeah. What At what age did you, did you just know? I know that you went to the Commonwealth Games, but yeah. at what stage did you know that you wanted to do it professionally? Um, oh... It probably wasn't a set time. I mean, at the Commonwealth Games and the Olympic trials and things like that, my goal was just purely, you know, on, on achieving as much as I could as an amateur. Um, when I missed out on the 2014 Commonwealth Games, I was a bit fed up with the amateur system. I, I, you know, I'd been on the wrong end of a few decisions and felt like I had done everything I, I should and, and should have been at those Commonwealth Games. And, yeah, I was probably a bit fed up and just said, I'm going to go professional and, yeah, probably best thing I've ever done. I've, you know, I love the pro ranks. I've, like I said, I'm a big fan of the sport as well, not just a competitor. I, I'm, you know, I'm watching boxing, you know, just about every day. And, yeah. you know, you know, I think when you're that passionate about something, you know, you, you will do everything it takes. And usually if you're that passionate about something, you'll be good at it. So I think that's where, where the success comes from. I just, yeah, just love the sport. Yeah, you, you know, you're watching every day. I love watching every day as well, man. Who who are the ones that you you just love? We, I'm, I'm assuming YouTube just gets a big play and you just get it all yeah. out. Yeah, that's right. Um, oh, some of my favourite fighters, probably Lomachenko at the moment, uh, Jorge Linares, Canelo and Triple G, as I mentioned earlier. Yeah, some of those sort of fighters. Um, but, yeah, I just like to watch some of them and take a bit from everyone and sort of, you know, try and take something from one fighter and something else from another and bring my own sort of style. But also like to sort of keep an eye on sort of the guys in my division in the top 15 and really study them and make sure I, I sort of got, you know, my head around everyone in the division and study them and make sure I'm ready for any future opponents that might pop up. Yeah, that footwork on Lomachenko, man, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? Amazing, mate. Me and Andrew were lucky enough to spar him in 2000. Did you? Yeah, in 2015 we were over there. So, what um, was that experience? Crazy, like? mate. That guy's an absolute beast. But, um, yeah, awesome. Well, sparred him before he fought on the Mayweather-Pacquiao card. Um, sparred him twice. So I got, you know, I ended up doing six or eight rounds with him. And, yeah, mate, that guy's just on another level. I've been in with some good fighters, but he's... Another step above anyone. What is it? Is it just his punching power? Is it just is it harder than um, he actually looks? Um, oh, I'm not an overly big puncher, so it's sort of hard to put put a put a down to something. Just, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's not an overly power powerful puncher. He's not an overly fast puncher, but it's just his technique and he's you know he's sort of one step ahead of you the, the whole time. His angles are just phenomenal. Um, and he just, yeah, I think he's the most skilled fighter in the world at the moment and someone, you you know, you aspire to be. So, yeah, I like to watch him and study him and do as much as I can. And, yeah, I mean, if you can end up like Lomachenko, you'd be pretty happy. Yeah, definitely. Just taking you back to the Commonwealth Games, the one that you went in India, that would have been mm-hmm. a pretty amazing experience, just mixing with all the athletes, experiencing the culture of India. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, we went over there I was only 18 18 or 19 maybe just turned 19 at the time um bit of a baby really in terms of um experience um I think that was only my third international tournament um just went over there 
opportunity of a lifetime and um, took it all in. I, in the first fight, um, I drew someone I didn't know at the time was Michael Conlon. Fought him in the first fight and and got the nod over him in a uh, on, on count back actually, probably one of the fights of the tournament, and um, ended up losing the next fight to someone from Botswana, which would have guaranteed me a medal, but um, just missed out. Um, but yeah, like you said, that 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 um, experience, especially at a young age, was just yeah unbelievable. Yeah, then 2014, you just miss out in the. Person that won the gold, didn't you beat them during That's that year right. or something? So yeah, as I just mentioned, I was you know fortunate enough to beat Conlon over there um, yeah. in the first round, and then missed out. And yeah, four years later, he went on to win the gold medal, and I was sitting in the lounge room. You know, I, I was pretty bitter. I think I should have been there, um, and yeah, I was it was for, you know pretty bitter pill to swallow because you know I'm sitting at home on the couch and he's got a gold medal around his neck and. Matt, he's a very talented fighter, and he's a great guy. I get along with him well, but I would have loved the opportunity to uh, fight him for the gold yeah. medal. Was it a tough little period? Because, you know, obviously Andrew wins the gold medal, and then yeah. you miss out on actually getting going to go. And as yeah. much as you love your brother and are so happy for him, at the same yeah. time, you're probably thinking, why not me, right? Yeah, 100%. Um, but that's that's the sport, I guess. You know, the, uh, there's huge highs and there's huge lows. It's a bit of a roller coaster. We both do exactly the same things. We both make the same, you know, sacrifices. We both do the exact same amount of training and I'm on the couch and he's over there with a gold medal around his neck. But, <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I was wrapped for him. It was a huge thing for not only him but our family and all the hard work paid off for him over there. And, you know, I, I was wrapped. But like you said, um, obviously it was a, you know, pretty hard thing to sit back and, and miss out on the whole experience. But... Yeah, we move on. It's uh, water under the bridge now, and we've got, we've got bigger fish to fry in the professional ranks. Yeah, you moved on pretty quick. Obviously, you turned pro in August of 2014. Given yeah. the experience of that missing out, did you ever actually consider giving up? Um, probably not. I mean, like I said, I was pretty... I was a bit sort of um, gutted and, you know, a bit unmotivated. I, just, I took a bit of a break. I think I had probably five or six months off and just sort of lived the life of a normal 22-year-old and sort of, you know, got a job and went and sort of done what a, I guess the average person would do, but it just wasn't for me, um, you know, working nine to five or, or you know, yeah. I was doing a trade, so it was sort of, you know, 6.30 to 4.30 or whatever, but it just wasn't, a plumber or something. wasn't for me. Yeah, I did a bit of landscaping and then a bit of plumbing as well. Um, and yeah, it just wasn't for me. I, you know, I love the sport of boxing. I love the challenge, and you know, I'd like to, you know, sort of do something and make something of myself, so I can sit back and be proud of what I've achieved with my life, and you know, something that your kids and you know, grandkids can one day say, you know, my, my dad or my grand, you know, granddad was a world champion. I think that'd be something pretty special. So. Yeah, I just wanted to wanted to try and do something a bit out of the ordinary and, you know, get the most out of this sport. Yeah, well, okay. So you debut against a gentleman called Chatri Sarafan and you knock him mm-hmm. out in the first round. Yeah. So take me through the emotions of going through the preparations for your first ever professional bout, trying to maybe adjust your style a little bit, and then the nerves also before the first bout. Um, 
it wasn't it. I mean, there's little tweaks you got to make from the amateurs to the pros, but I always had a bit of a professional style, uh, always trained in a sort of pretty professional way, even as an amateur. Um, so I didn't have to change my training too much. Obviously, um, my first fight as a pro was six rounds, and as an amateur, it's only three. So, you know, you change the, the distance, you know, you're sparring a few few more rounds to be a little bit more of an endurance side but um really really didn't have to change a whole lot but um yeah i mean the nerves of the nerves before your debut were uh you know through the roof you definitely had the butterflies and a lot of pressure on your shoulders because you got had a pretty um big crowd there to to watch me do my thing and um you know there's a lot of pressure but I sort of enjoy the nerves. Um, you know, you get I get nervous before every fight, and I think that's only normal. If you're not nervous before a fight, there's I think there's something wrong. And you know, you, you, I'd probably be more worried if I wasn't nervous. I mean, yeah. a lot of work goes into it. There's a, a lot of a lot of pressure on on you to perform, but um, you know that's what it's all about. You got to be able to perform under that pressure and and come to with a victory, which which I did obviously. Uh, that was another first round knockout, so it was an, a pretty easy night. But yeah, it was it was good to um, notch up the first win and and um, start the professional career. Yeah, you, you spoke about the crowd. Is is that something that you you know take any notice of in a fight at all? Do you get pumped up when there's a huge crowd behind you? Yeah, I think you do. You do notice the crowd a bit. It's probably something that I've tried to learn to block out a little bit. Um, I remember fighting the first time on the Danny Green's undercard at High, High Sense Arena. I think there was 30 or 40,000 people there. And I was wow. probably a bit overawed, probably trying to impress and push the action a bit too much. Um, I got caught in that fight and got put, on, got put on my backside for the first time in my life. And, you know, I wasn't hurt or anything, but I just sort of thought, gee, I've, I've got, to, um, got to sort of block this crowd out and, and focus on the guy in front of me. And, um, you know, I think some people do get overawed by the by the crowd, but once I sort of settled down and focused, it was, you know, you know, sort of uh, business as usual. But, um, yeah, I think, I think you need to sort of block them out a bit, but I do enjoy fighting in front of a big crowd, and I, I think it can definitely pump you up and, and take you to another level also. Yeah, so it was a bit of a blessing in disguise then to refocus you kind of because you probably lost focus for a quick second and then, you know, yeah, you had to experience right. being not put down. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I think you just, uh, you know, I was probably just trying, trying a little bit too hard. Sometimes, you you know, you can try and impress the crowd too much, but at the end of the day, you just got to make sure you you uh, get the job done. Yeah, Chase, just to get a few insights into both your physical and your mental training, you know, I hear boxers talk about the mental side of things just being even more important than the physical side. Are you kind of doing anything in terms of maybe meditation or some sort of mental training with a sports psychiatrist or anything like that? Um, no, I'm not actually. Um, I, you know, I do see guys do that sort of thing. Um, I, I think you know, mental sort of thing is is a very important part of the game. Um, but I, I, you know, I believe in myself. Um, both me and my brother train extremely hard. We, you know, we dedicate ourselves and. We're very disciplined to the sport, so I think when you put all the work in, you know, it's pretty easy to believe in yourself. Um, so I don't actually do any, you know, I guess men- mental training, but you know, I think it's important that you you do enter the fight knowing that you've done absolutely everything right. 
you left no stone unturned and that you um, you know you, you deserve the victory. Um, so I think in that asset, in that aspect, aspect, I'm, you know, I'm, I think I've, you know, I've got a pretty good head on my shoulders and I'm pretty, you know, strong mentally. But um, yeah, I don't actually do any specific mental training, no. Josh, you fought on that undercard for Green and Mundine at, at the Adelaide Oval. Mm-hmm. You know, being outside is does that have any different to fighting in an indoor venue at all? Yeah, it was a bit strange actually. Um, open, yeah, open air arena, and I was. A little bit early on in the card, so the sun was still out, and um, yeah, it was it was pure daylight. So that was that was a little bit different. But um, yeah, as I touched on before, I just tried to block that out and focus on the guy in front of me. Um, but yeah, it was it was certainly a little bit different than fighting in the closed closed um, dark stadium. Yeah. All right. So you fought four times this year. You know, yeah. I know your ultimate goal is to become the world champion, but of course, there's stepping stones to get to that stage. Yeah, definitely. What's the next moves for you guys? Um, not a hundred percent sure at the moment. We're looking to have some big fights next year, and you know, really, really take it up to another level. Our manager Tony Told is over in Colombia at the moment at the annual WBA convention, so he's trying to put some plans in place and speak with the, some of the guys and managers of the fighters within the top 15 world rankings. And, um, yeah, we, you know, we'd love to take on some of those guys, try and move up right up the rankings. And, you know, eventually by the end of the year, if we could have a world title eliminator or or get ourselves in the in the position to fight for a world title, you know, in around the 12 months' time, that's, that's the ideal goal. But as you said, there's stepping stones and... From here on, the fights are only going to get harder and harder. Um, so we just got to make sure that we're training hard, improving, and, and ready for the for the challenges when they come. Yeah, most definitely. Okay, Jace, just a couple of personality ones just to finish. Okay, yeah. before you enter the ring, do you have any superstitions when you're warming up or getting ready? Nah, not at all. Nah, I am. Um, bit of a weakness, superstitions, I think. You just, yeah, if something like that's going to throw you off, you're not focused. <laughs> Nice answer. All right, I'm going to take you back to your childhood. Now, what posters did you have on your bedroom wall growing up? <laughs> um, did you guys share a room? Yeah, we did for, for most of it. We um, went to a bit of a stage, which a lot of people probably did, where we loved our, our rappers. I think I had a, a poster of Tupac and Snoop Dogg on my wall at one stage. So <laughs> there you go. That's a bit different. Mate, what's, what's your favourite walkout music? I change it up all the time. I, yeah. I would um, ideally like to get a, a Team Maloney song or anthem made up eventually. But, um, yeah, that's something that's in the works. Mate, I hear some people, like, coming out to Frank Sinatra. I see others too, part. Yeah. Yeah. Some yeah. coming out to, you know, some really just heavy music. Yeah, like, yeah. Do you, do you have a prefer- preference at all or just kind of just keep changing it? I think you need something, something that sort of engages the crowd and, you know, something with a bit of a nice build-up to, to bring the excitement to the crowd and, you know, to pump everyone up. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't actually have one song or, or a different, you know, one sort of song or one sort of artist that I, I like. But, yeah, I think it needs a bit of excitement. All right, final question, Jace. You're going to be hosting a private dinner party, mate. You've got five invites. Now, your only rules... No family or friends, but it can be anyone, dead or alive. Who would you like to invite? Five people. Whoa, that's a tough one. Um, wow. I don't know. You've put me on the spot there. 
Who do I want to meet? Yeah. Um, oh, Floyd Mayweather would be pretty cool to meet. Um, sure. Who else? I, I really don't know. That's a that's a really tough question, mate. <laughs> You've got me. You've got me. Tony Lockett. I'll put him in there because he was an idol of mine growing up. Um, probably Any throws... favorite authors or actors or world leaders or anything like that. Oh, I like I like a bit of Adam Sandler or Will Ferrell. Throw someone in with a bit of comedy, make everyone laugh. Um, oh, Michael Jordan would be cool to meet. Oh yeah. Um, Oh, just anyone. I mean, love being around successful people and, and seeing the way they, they go about their life and carry themselves. And I think when you hang around successful people, you know, that, that brings on success and, you know, breeds success. So, yeah, anyone anyone like a Michael Jordan or, a, you know, LeBron James or, you know, someone like that, you know, it would be cool to, make, cool to meet those sort of guys. Yeah, I agree 100%. Well, Jace, thanks for coming on the show. Before I let you leave, mate, I want everyone following Jason. Twitter is at Jason Maloney1. Facebook, Jason Maloney Boxing. Instagram, Jason Maloney. Or you can find him online, both of the boys, at teammaloney.com. Jace, thanks for stopping by the show, buddy. I really appreciate it. And I look nah, forward to you, having mate. a chat anytime that you want, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having us on, mate. Appreciate it. That, guys, was Jason Maloney. Next up on the show, we're going to be having his brother, Andrew, come on. Before I get Andrew on, just a reminder, please get following right behind Jace. He's on Twitter at Jason Maloney1, Facebook, Jason Maloney Boxing, Instagram, Jason Maloney, or online, his teammaloney.com. But let's get straight to it, to his brother, and here is the chat with Andrew. All right, guys, my special guest is Andrew Maloney. Andrew is one of the real rising stars of Australian boxing. He's also the first Aussie to win the Commonwealth Games gold medal. And then on the professional ranks, his last fight, he won the Commonwealth boxing title in the professionals. He competes in the super flyweight division and also holds the WBA Oceania Championship. And he's ranked the number seven in the world. A welcome, Andrew Maloney. Andrew, welcome to the show, buddy. G'day, Tristan. Thanks for having me, mate. It's an absolute pleasure, mate. You were absolutely killing it, mate. How does someone in the amateurs get a gold medal, buddy, and then absolutely smash it and take the Commonwealth title in the pros, buddy? <laughs> um, thanks, mate. Um, I suppose hard work and uh, being dedicated to the game, but, um, yeah, I was extremely proud to become the first Australian to ever do that. Um after I won the gold in 2014, I'd already set my sights on turning professional after that, and um, that was definitely something that was very high up on my, my list of goals to achieve, was to yeah, replicate what I did in the amateurs and become Commonwealth champion as a professional. Yeah, so, yeah. Just chat a, we'll chat a little bit about the recent fight. So you've got you've been pushed four rounds, four tough rounds, but you know, you, you've taken out you know quite well, and fourth round knockout against a very very good opponent his record was 13 and 1 so you've stepped up in class as well and you've really you know brought it home really quite well yeah no it was a good fight um yeah there was it was only four rounds but they were they were tough rounds and uh you know good learning experience um i sort of felt like everything went to plan with what we worked on before the before the fight and um I sort of stayed uh, relaxed and, and took my time, even though it was only a short fight. I, I dropped him late in the second round, and, you know, the, the old sort of less experienced me probably would have tried to jump on him and take him out straight away, but I took my time and, and knew that it would eventually come, and, yeah, we got him out of there in the fourth, so very happy. 
Yeah, Andrew, I never got to ask Jason, because I know you both fought a couple of the boys from Africa. Was there anything different in terms of the way that they, their style, or even, you know, the way they took punches? Yeah, there is. Um, generally, when, yeah, just, it's just funny, you know, the different sort of continents, like you fight the guys from Asia or Africa, and they've all got, you know, a, a different sort of style. So that's why our team's sort of trying to get us in front of different opponents each fight, and we've already fought guys from Mexico and Japan and the Philippines, Tanzania now, and we're really trying to get in, in front of a, a wide range of guys so that, you know, when we, you know, are world champions or, or fighting for the world title, um, you know, it could be against anyone, and we've sort of faced different guys along the way and, and, and learnt in each fight and, and uh, progressed. So, yeah, when that time comes, we're ready for it. Yeah, generally in your weight divisions, both of you, you do get a lot of fighters from those Philippines, Thailand. You've got a handful probably from America and UK, but it's predominantly that Asian area, isn't it? Yeah, it is, especially um, Mexico and Japan are really big in our divisions. But, yeah, a lot of Filipinos as well. Um, we fought quite a lot of Filipinos, and they they always bring you know a really tough fight, and they're all extremely heavy-handed, so you got to be careful when you face those guys. And, um yeah, but that's where most of the guys are from in our divisions. There's not too many guys in Australia for us to face, so a lot of the time we are fighting guys from, from overseas. Yeah, it was your second last fight. Was it against Raymond Tubergon? Did he drop yeah. you at all? Yeah, he did. That was the, the first time I'd gone down in my career. And, um, yeah, he caught me with a shot. I sort of... I didn't really see, but I was sort of more off, off balance. Um, but, yeah, knocked me down. I hit the canvas, but... I wasn't sort of hurt by the shot. I got up and I, I was fine and sort of was the next round later I managed to catch him and, and, and stop him. So it uh, was an entertaining fight, one that uh, everyone enjoyed. So that's what you want. You want the crowd to go home happy. Yeah, I was talking to Jace actually about the first time that he got dropped and he was talking about it being one of the biggest learning experiences of his career. Was that something similar for yourself? Yeah, um, you know, I'll definitely learn from it and, and I know why it happened now, but um, it wasn't something that you can, you know, sort of sometimes, you know, in this game that's going to happen, you're going to get caught. But, uh, you know, especially that particular opponent, he was, I think he realised that for him to win, he was going to have to knock me out. So everything he threw, he was really trying to take my head off. And, uh, yeah, I was, I got caught, unfortunately. And um, But, you know, I got the next round, I made the adjustments and, and got him out of there. So... You know, that happens sometimes in this game. That's what we're, we're uh, it's not a tickling contest. So, you know, you're going to get caught. <laughs> Jason, now being a champ, being the Commonwealth champ, you're going to be expected to probably fight 12 rounds. I know that you've been the distance 10 before. You've yep. been a couple of times eight. How are you feeling about going the long distance? Yeah, so I've gone, the, I've been scheduled more than once, obviously, to go 10, but um, I've gone the 10 round distance once. You know, I think it was my seventh fight, and um, yeah, it was, was comfortable doing the 10. My last fight was actually scheduled for 12, so I was sort of looking forward to seeing what it was like doing 12 rounds, um, but uh, it was cut short and only went to four. But yeah, I'm, I'm confident in my fitness that I'll do the 12 rounds no problem at all. Um, all my fights are sort of at a, a pretty high pace, and I, I never really get tired. I, I, I'd say my probably my biggest strength is my conditioning. I, I've uh, I train extremely hard, and I think I've got a pretty big engine, and I don't think I'll have any problems going twelve at all. Yeah, what's the 
differences and similarities between you and your twin brother in terms of, I know you've got a big engine and things like that. Is he similar or is he more of a agility sort of situation? What's the, what's the differences and similarities between you two guys? Um, well, we've, we used to have sort of very different styles. Um, he used to box a lot on the back foot and um, was more of sort of, I don't know, I suppose a, a slick boxer, whereas I used to be quite aggressive and always fight going forward. But um, now we sort of, we uh, sort of, I don't know, maybe a little bit more similar, I would say, in that we, I can fight on the back foot or, or go forward. And I suppose we've just tried to develop the rest of our game around what we were naturally good at. So um, our styles are probably a little bit more similar now than what they used to be. Okay, Jace, take me back to the start because we'll just, sorry, Andrew takes back to the yeah. start. We're having a bit of a laugh before because yeah, Jason revealed that he lost his first three and yeah. you lost your first seven. So yeah. that's some resilience on your part because realistically what you achieved in the amateurs, you're one of Australia's best of all time. Take us back to the start. After seven, what was going through your head? Yeah, that's right, mate. It, uh, it's funny to look back now. But, yeah, I lost my first seven fights. And, I mean, back then I was sort of – we were juggling playing football and, and boxing at the same time. And um, and boxing is just one of those things that you've you got to give 100%, I believe, or, or not do it at all. I mean, uh, so that's what I decided to do after losing seven fights. Rather than give up, I decided to quit playing football and concentrate 100% on boxing and – as soon as I did that, the you know things started to change, and I think after I won my first fight, I think I went on to to not lose in Australia for oh, maybe five or six years after that. So, oh, wow. um, that's uh, that's what happens when you you know focus a hundred percent on something and you know put your you know your mind to it and your life into it and uh, and stay dedicated, then you know the results come to themselves. So, yeah, it was. Uh, I'm, you know, when I look back now and, you know, there was a moment that I thought, you know, maybe boxing's not for me, but uh, I'm, I'm very happy I made the decision to, to stop playing football and, and concentrate on boxing because it's starting to pay off now and, uh, you know, some really exciting times ahead for, for me and Jason and, uh, yeah, couldn't be happier with how things are going at the moment. It's an amazing story, Andrew. Like, have you had the opportunity maybe to go out to a few schools and, because some of the kids these days, they, they quit after losing a game of handball. For you yeah. not to quit after seven fights, and this is a hard sport. It's not like playing tip or handball or anything like that. It's, and for you to give up something that you're probably good at as well with AFL, playing with the boys as well, I think it's a great opportunity for you to spread some good, some good positive vibes to some kids. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I have done a few talks at schools and things like that, but it probably is something that I, you know, should should talk about more. And um, yeah, I mean, especially boxing is a because it's just you and another guy. It's um, sort of it's a hard thing when you know you, you go back to your mates and yeah, lost again, lost again. You know, yeah. it's um, whereas you know if you're playing football and you lose a game, you got other people to sort of take the blame with you. Whereas boxing, it's just all all on you and um. You know, so, yeah, I've, I look back and I suppose, yeah, I don't know what it was that made me keep going, but um, I'm, I'm glad I did. Yeah, do you like the solitude of having just to rely on yourself in the ring? You know, you spoke about having teammates in the AFL, and at times, I guess, you can rely on them. If you're tired, you can let someone else do the work. You can't be tired in boxing, can you? Do you enjoy that side of things? Yeah, I think that's why I love the sport so much, and um, there's... 
you know, the, the side of when you lose, but the, the the other side of when you win and you know that although you do have a team around you that, that you know, obviously a massive part, um, at the end of the day, it's you that's got to do the training and, you know, stay dedicated and, you know, go out for those runs and, and do all that training when no one's watching. When you um when you're successful and you win on fight night, there's yeah, there's no better feeling. Yeah, what do you like at home? Because I know that Jace loves to watch boxing twenty four seven when he's at home. Are you similar? Yeah, I'm very much the same. I uh, I'm a lot of the, spend a lot of my time yeah watching fights, and I'm always sort of on my phone checking what the results of what what fights have been on the weekend or watching them. I think it uh sort of pisses my wife off a little bit sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> She's super supportive though, but yeah, I suppose. I do spend a lot of my time watching boxing, and yeah, it's you got to be a little bit selfish with this game. And um, my whole life revolves around boxing at the moment. And um, you know, hopefully, in uh, years to come, once I've achieved all my dreams and everything I've been I'm working for, I can uh, you know relax and spend more time with my uh, my wife and my family. You know, in the years to come. Yeah, you, you mentioned your wife, Chelsea, correct? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, what's she like on a fight night? Does she like watching you box or is she kind of a little bit standoffish about the whole thing? No, nah, no, nah, she's super supportive. She um you know, she probably doesn't love the fact that I, that's what I do, but you know, I've I've been boxing since since she's known me and um so she yeah, she supports me, you know, one hundred percent and she she knows that I love what I do and uh so far, I've never lost a fight with that she's been at, so that's uh, a yeah, positive. Well, good moment. Um, yeah, yeah. So she's a bit of a good luck charm. So yeah, she she hasn't seen, and hopefully she never does see the side of uh, me losing a fight. So yeah, she's supportive and she knows that I love it and you know enjoy it. And so far, it's going really well. So yeah, she's super supportive. Yeah. Okay, Andrew. Yeah. Your nickname's The Monster, but you seem like a really chilled guy. But then, obviously, when I watch you fight, you're super, you know, you get in there, you're super entertaining, you knock people out. So, obviously, you've got a switch that you flick on, and you become The Monster. So, explain how you got this nickname, and kind of how that relates to your personalities. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you've got to have that switch. I mean, I would say I'm not really an aggressive person at all outside of the ring, but... You got to have that switch, and um, the nickname actually came from my manager Tony Tolge, and um, we it came when I just recently actually when I moved down to Super Flyweight, and we just thought he was saying that you know at Super Flyweight you're going to be a monster, and that's that's just where it came from. Um, so um, before that, I was fighting at bantamweight, so I've dropped down a division, and I'd say I'm sort of fairly big for that weight now, and. Um, yeah, hopefully I can use that size to my advantage and and sort of you know monster my opponents around the ring. But <laughs> yeah, it's, it just came from 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 Tony just sort of discussing that yeah I'd be big at that weight and um, there's not much else to it basically. But yeah, I'd like a lot of people have said to me recently that you know you do turn into a bit of a monster in the ring and that's just yeah that's what you got to do. Yeah, don't change your style at all, man. It's brilliant. But going down from bantamweight to super flyweight, was it tough to cut what is it, an extra two and a bit kilos? 
No, it's it's one point three, so it's not a huge drop. But um, at these divisions, it's always tough to make the weight, and it was it was tough for me bantamweight, and it it still is at Superfly. But is um, you know, you just got to be one hundred percent dedicated and and disciplined with your diet, and it takes a yeah a lot of sort of hard work and you know strict dieting, but. I can, you know, if I do everything professionally and do it perfect, I can make the weight, you know, reasonably comfortable without it affecting my strength or anything in the ring. And um, once you make the weight, you've got 24 hours to, to rehydrate and put a bit of weight back on. And I feel a million bucks when I jump in the ring. So I've, I feel really strong at the weight and I feel like I'm a lot stronger than my opponents that I fought so far at that weight. So it's, uh, it was a good move, I think. Yeah, another good move for you guys was moving up to Kingscliff to get trained by Angelo Hyder. Obviously, Angelo, one of the best in Australia. Tell us a little bit about the move up in your own perspective and some of the things that you've kind of improved under Angelo. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's been a great move. And I suppose moving down in weight was one of those things that probably wouldn't have happened if we weren't up here. So when we moved up here now... We box full time. Um, it's all all we do, you know, every day. So um, living up here, there's there's no distractions and everything's done 100% professional and to plan. So um, we've got trainings, you know, three minutes down the road, and that's you know we, we go to training in the morning, come back, relax, and we just got that we've got more time on our hands to prepare, you know, exactly what we need to eat, and um, everything's just done a lot more professionally. So we can. You know, that, that move down in weight has happened because of that. When we were in Melbourne, I was sort of, you know, I wasn't eating badly. When you are you know, rushing around, I was, I was also working as a personal trainer down there yep. and running a business. And, you know, I spent a lot of time on the road, so it's a lot of time you're rushing around and, you know, you're eating, you know, what was the healthiest option, but, you know, probably not the very best thing you could have had. Um, whereas up here, we've got more time on our hands and, you know, do things 100% perfectly and, um, so we're able to move down in weight, and um, now everything, every part of training now is just is spot on from our recovery to each training session. And Angelo's been just awesome. Can't um, give him enough praise, and feel like we're really improving a lot at the moment. And yeah, just really excited for what's to come. Yeah, I watched that fight. I haven't unfortunately been able to uh, watch your Commonwealth title fight yet, but I did watch the one against Raymond and. It was noticeable that you used the ring a lot better than, than I saw because I remember watching one of your fights when you fought on the Mundine Green undercard and that was a bit of a... You controlled the entire fight but you were kind of more in front of the person a lot more on the ropes a little bit but that fight against Raymond, you really used the, the ring well. Is that something that Angelo's kind of introduced? Yeah, that's right and I suppose that's what we sort of touched on earlier is that the sort of started to try and improve the rest of my game and not just, you know, going forward and, and being the aggressor. And, um, you know, in that fight against Raymond Tabagon, he he was very aggressive himself. So rather than sort of come head, head on and just, you know, make the fight harder than it needed to be, uh, I boxed and, and moved a little bit more and just made the fight easier on myself. And, and uh, yeah, the result came in, in the fourth round. Fantastic. So take us back now to one of your biggest achievements when you won the gold medal, and that was in Glasgow in 2014. You know, for you to take the gold medal against, you know, quite, you know, it's a great contingent of people that you fought, and then obviously it's off the back of the 2000 and 
10 Delhi Commonwealth Games that you went to as well. So give us a few insights into the whole, the whole, you know, the whole event there, mate. Yeah, um, it was the best experience in my life. I, I, I wish I could go back and, and do it all again. It, like the whole thing just was a dream come true for, as you, as you mentioned, I went to the Commonwealth Games in 2010 um, and was quite young at the time and I won my first fight over and fought against Northern Ireland. I fought Paddy Barnes, who was the eventual gold medal winner. Um and that was in the bronze medal round. So if I had to beat him, I would have got myself a bronze medal, which I would have been really happy with at, at that time. Um, but uh, unfortunately, I lost by two points. It was five points to three and, and lost that. Um, so I was, I was really disappointed that I was coming home without a medal because I, I put a lot of pressure on myself before that, you know, to to come home with a medal and, and do everyone proud. Um so then it was, yeah, four years on from that when I, I made the team for Glasgow and, and went this time. And, and this time I, I was really set on winning the gold medal. So um, I trained extremely hard for it and I had four fights in eight days. Um, I fought a guy wow. from Africa, uh, Nigeria, in the in the first fight. Um, and then again I was fighting again for the, for the bronze medal and again, it was against Northern Ireland, so I sort of, I was having sort of flashbacks, like, no, it's not going to happen again. <laughs> um, but um, you know, fortunately, uh, things went my way, and I won that fight and secured a, a bronze medal. And I was, yeah, extremely relieved after that that I was coming home with a medal this time. And it was then my next fight was against the um, the local boy from Scotland, um, and. He'd beaten in his first two fights the the world number one, and then another guy from England who was another one of the favourites. So he was he was on fire in that tournament at the time. And but um, we'd uh, I'd actually done some sort of like competition sparring against him, and we, he'd come over to Australia. The Scottish team had to prepare for the game, so I sort of knew a lot about him, and I was confident I could beat him. And it ended up being a, a really close fight, more like a a real sort of chess match and um, he ended up winning two rounds to one and it was, it was a close fight but um, I, I was sort of used my experience and it was very smart about how I went about the fight and see that was the uh, that secured the, the, at least a silver medal and a spot in the yeah. final um, and uh, throughout this whole time I've just I wanted it so badly that I barely slept for the whole time all over there <laughs> Um, I, along with sort of every day having to make the weight again each time I fought. So throughout the whole time, I was constantly sort of barely eating and, and waking up and used going in the sauna to make weight each day and um, not getting any sleep at all because I was so nervous about the whole thing and didn't want to let anyone down or myself down. And, yeah, made the final against uh, a guy from Pakistan, Mohammed Wasim, and... Um, Someone that I'd, I'd seen at a lot of tournaments around the world, and for some reason I don't know why, I always sort of he caught my eye. And I, a few times we almost fought each other, and then either he lost or I lost, and we, we didn't fight each other. And um, I sort of knew he was on the opposite side of the draw, and I had a feeling I was going to fight him. And yeah, so came up against him in the final, and again didn't sleep probably a wink that night. I was just had so much sort of pressure myself to win that fight, and. Um, I won the fight, and I just I can't explain just 
how good of a feeling it was. It was yeah. amazing. It was sort of 12 i I'd been training for 12 years or boxing for 12 years at that time and it felt like everything that I've worked for came down to that moment and to win that fight was and to win the gold medal was just, yeah, a dream come true and something I'll never forget. Yeah, explain it when you're on, you know, the stage and the Aussie anthem's getting played. That must just feel unreal. Yeah, it was an amazing feeling. I was sort of almost in a bit of shock at that time, I think, and I was, you know, a bit emotional trying to keep myself together. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was sort of looking down at the medal and thinking, is this, does this just happen or, or what? And uh, I still get goosebumps even right now thinking about it. It was, um, yeah, an amazing moment. Yeah, what did you end up doing with your medal? Did you frame it? Do you just do you hide it in a safe? What happens? Um, I've been meaning to get it framed for a, a long time, actually, and I'm, I'm going to now because I wanted to, like uh, last Saturday, I don't know if you've seen a photo, but I wore, when I got to, uh, the, the Commonwealth title wrapped around my waist, I also had the gold medal around my neck. So that was something that I wanted to, to do, and I've ticked that goal off the list now. So... Yeah. Now I've got both I was going to say that, mate. I would, I would have wore it all the time. Yeah. Well, now I've ticked that off the list and, and got that goal out of the way. I, um, yeah, I'm going to get the medal framed up, and I've got a, a really nice sort of photo collage and the gloves that I wore in the games too that I'll get all framed up together. So I'm looking Fantastic. forward to it. Well, hopefully there's a world title in the sights to come too, Andrew. I know it's a few stepping stones still to come, you know, but you're the Commonwealth champ now. Being the Commonwealth and the Oceania champ at the same time, are you going to be expected to defend the title a little bit more? Yeah, and I've also got the um, OPBF silver title as well. So there's so many options open at the moment that, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, and I'm sure there's probably going to be a few fights overseas next year. Um so the OPBF silver title makes me mandatory to fight the 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 full OPBF champion, who he's from the Philippines, but he's had his last sort of three fights in Japan. So it could be the option to maybe go over there and, and fight him. Um, yeah, I could maybe possibly defend the Commonwealth title either here or over in the UK. It's obviously extremely big over there, and and boxing is just booming over there at the moment. Matchroom yeah. putting on huge shows over there and. So there's, you know, options and I'll still, the number one goal is to, to keep defending that WBA Oceana title. They've got me ranked at um, seven at the moment in the world. So that's the main one we want to, you know, keep defending and keep climbing the ladder in that because at the end of the day, the, the goal is to become world champion and um, the current champion is Kalia Fire from England and I'm confident that I can, I can beat him. So we'll keep chipping away at that and hopefully we get the chance to, to fight him in the future. Yeah, it does seem that, kind of especially this year, that boxing has kind of taken over from UFC again. Like, you've got Anthony Joshua. He's fought twice on outside cards, and he's drawn 90,000 to Wembley, 75,000 to his last fight. You come here to Australia, you guys fought on the undercard of Monday and Green. There was 30,000 there. Jeff Horn draws 55,000 to an outside arena as well against Manny Pacquiao. Just from your own perspective, being a professional in the sport, are you feeling that, Boxing's back in the groove against the UFC now? Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, There was a stage there where it seemed like UFC was sort of taking over a little bit. But, yeah, I think you're right. I think boxing's sort of back in front now. And, um, yeah, I think it's it's in a good place at the moment. I mean, the UK's doing some amazing things. And I think that's a bit to sort of 
a bit of the you know part of the reason. Um, and yeah, it's great to see Australian boxing on the rise again as well. With you know what Jeff's done and the whole Green Mundine thing was obviously unreal for the sport as well. So yeah, exciting times. Yeah, Andrew, how did you take? Because I know your brother, he fought I think before you on that the Adelaide card. So he came out in the daylight. I think your fight was more kind of twilight to darkness, wasn't it? Yeah, it just gone dark sort of when my fight, um, when I came on. And, yeah, I mean, I, I love the, the big stage. Of, of for some, I really feel that, you know, the, the bigger the crowd and the bigger the event, the better I perform. Um, and that's always been the case for me for, for some reason. Even in my young days playing, you know, junior football, whenever it was a grand final, always seemed to, to step up and, you know, make you know best on ground or something like that. And in uh, the Commonwealth Games again, I sort of rose to the occasion. And you know, oh yeah, I feel the bigger the the uh, event, the bigger the crowd, the the better I perform. So yeah, it didn't affect me too much at all. Yeah, Andrew, you got to taste the mecca of boxing when you went over to Vegas, and you actually went to the Triple G and Canelo fight. I'm very jealous about that, man. But <laughs> being in the actual crowd. It must have just given you tingles. I know that Jason was telling, talk, talking a little bit about it and how it kind of just gave him a little bit extra motivation that to actually see this, the two best fighters pretty much in boxing at the moment going at it and just the crowd going crazy. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, same thing watching, like, the Green Mundine and the Horn Pacquiao fight and, yeah, and, and obviously the Triple G Canelo. You, it just motivates you so much to see, you know, those those big events and, you know, the the biggest fights in the world and just motivates you because you that's where you want to be and, you know, to see it live in person, it's, um yeah, it brings a lot of motivation and, you know, that's where we want to be and hopefully in, in the, the years to come we'll be involved in those big fights ourselves and, and headlining big cards, hopefully here in Australia and, and overseas as well. Yeah, overseas because I know... You know, you travelled a lot as an amateur. I think you went to over 30 countries. You went to two Commonwealth Games. At this stage, your professional career, as expected, is domestic. But do you think in the next kind of... Well, you did already say that you might have a few fights on the horizon in Britain. But to fight outside Australia, is that a major goal? Yeah, well, I think it's something you sort of probably have to do. Um, although boxing is on the rise in, in Australia, it's, it's, it's very hard to get world title fights here. Um, so yeah, ne- hopefully next year we'll, we'll we'll start to fight overseas and just get that experience. Even though I did fight overseas a lot as an amateur, it's a little bit different as a professional. So hopefully we can do that and get used to to travelling and and fighting away. And yeah, I would say probably next year or the year after, when uh, hopefully we get the chance to fight for world title, it would most likely be overseas. So it's definitely something we want to experience before that that opportunity comes. Okay, a few personality ones just to wrap things up here, Andrew. Now, I know your brother didn't have any superstitions, but did you have any before a fight? Um, not before a fight, but uh, I've got a few just really weird ones that I just do on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> I, I don't know why. <laughs> I always like things to have a num- like a, a number one. I hate the number two. OCD. Just, yeah, that's just my mentality. I always want to be number one, so... Um, I don't know if I'm setting the microwave or I'm using a treadmill or something. I'll have it on. I will never have it on level twelve. I'll have it on level twelve point one. I don't know. <laughs> just little things like that. I'm a bit weird, but yeah, not on not on fight day. I don't have any superstitions. I, I try not to let things like that play with my head too much. That you sometimes might not be able to control. 
Yeah. Before the fight, and now before you're listening to music, how long before the fight are you actually warming up? Um, I usually I get my hands wrapped sort of pretty early so that they're, that's out of the way and you don't, you're don't never in a rush because um, they take a bit of time to do. And then I, I sort of start stretching and sort of slowly warming up at least sort of maybe an hour and a half beforehand. And then, um, yeah, as it sort of gets closer and closer, the warm-up picks up and, yeah, make sure we're ready to go. All right. Now I'm going to take you back to your childhood and I want to know what posters you had on your childhood wall. And now, your brothers already told me Tupac and a couple of others were already on there. So, what did you have? Yeah, we thought we were little gangsters back then. So, we had, <laughs> we had a bit of NWA, Easy E, uh, Eminem. Um, yeah, I loved NWA and Easy E at the time. But, uh, yeah, we, uh, we certainly thought we were gangsters. <laughs> gangsters from Melbourne, eh, mates? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he told me you're a big Carlton supporter too. Yeah, I was. I, we loved football growing up, and we used to go to every Carlton game we could. And used to that was my my dream was to grow up and play AFL football. And obviously, you know that decision changed when I sort of got a little bit older and, and fell in love with boxing. But um, yeah, we were, I was a massive Carlton fan. These days, I followed a little bit, but um, I'm so involved in boxing that that sort of takes up pretty much all my time that I, I barely get to watch the games these days. Yeah, eat, eat, sleep, and just live it all day, eh, mate? Yeah, that's it. All right, final question. Andrew, you're going to be hosting a private dinner party. Now, you've got five invites. Now, only rules, no family or friends, but it can be anyone, dead or alive. Who would you like to invite? Oh, that's a tough one. Um... <laughs> After watching the weekend fight, I'd say Anthony Joshua. He's someone that yeah. I'm really keen to meet. Love the way he goes about his business. Did you um, get to watch the documentary that they put out on Fox Sports? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. That was fantastic, a, wasn't it? It showed a great yeah. personality that side of him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, so I'd definitely like to meet him. I did see, see him around at some amateur tournaments, but I've never met him. And yeah, I love the way he goes about everything and his. Uh, He's sort of taken over the world world of boxing at the moment, so yeah, I'd love to meet him. Um, Conor McGregor is someone that I'd love to meet and sit down and have dinner with. So I'd say those two. Um, who else? Um, Anything probably. unusual? Any authors you're reading or singers that you like that's a little bit unusual? No, I'm just... I eat, sleep, and, and uh, live boxing. boxing all day. So I probably, <laughs> probably have five boxes around the table, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> yeah, nothing too exciting. I'd chuck Canelo in there as well. and Yeah, I don't know. Nothing nothing exciting, mate. Just a, a room full of boxes for me. Yeah, you might need an interpreter, though, for Canelo. Yeah. Oh, he's got a little bit of English going on. It's not great, but fair <laughs> up. Fantastic boxer. Well, Andrew, thanks for stopping by today. Before I let you go, everyone, follow Andrew online. You can find him on Twitter at Andrew Maloney2. Oh, sorry, Andrew Maloney2. Is that the one, Andrew? 52. 52. I can't even read my own handwriting. Facebook is at Andrew Maloney Boxing. Instagram, Andrew Maloney. Or you can find both boys together at teammaloney.com. Andrew, thanks so much for being a special guest today. I really appreciate it. I wish you all the best for the rest of the year and hopefully if you're not down in Sydney I'd love to see you live but uh, hopefully I'll see you fight in a world title one day buddy 
Excellent, mate. And I appreciate you having us on. And, uh, yeah, thank you very much. Guys, we hope you enjoyed the chat with Andrew. Please continue to support him on his journey. Twitter, he's at Andrew Maloney 52 Facebook, he's at Andrew Maloney Boxing. Instagram, Andrew Maloney. Or online, check him out at teammaloney.com. Now, guys, next on the show, we've got eight-time BMX and mountain bike champion Caroline Buchanan. So be sure to check out that show next week. We should hopefully have another show later in this week. I'm just trying to round up some interviews with both Jeff Horn and Anthony Mundine. And then hopefully we'll have a few of the soccer boys on as well. If you want to get in touch with me, please send me an email at tristan at talkingwithtk.com. Connect with me also online. So you can either visit the website www.talkingwithtk.com. Twitter, I'm at talkingwithtk. Facebook, the same thing. And Instagram, I'm at Tristan now. Please get in touch. Let me know what you think of the show. And like I said, any guest requests, more than happy to hear them and get your favorite athletes from Australia or New Zealand onto the show. Guys, thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that one. If you haven't yet, please subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher or find it all online at www.talkingwithtk.com. And please share the show with your family and friends. But until next time, I'm Tristan Cannell, and this was Talking With TK.